Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Foolishness Podcast with me, Brian Sumner. It is late. It's getting chilly out in California, if you can call it that. But we are jumping into another episode, and we've gone so many places. I hope you've been blessed. I'm thankful you're sharing it. You're getting encouraged, and it's encouraging me hearing that people's testimonies and stories, of course, flavored with the word of God and a witness is having such an impact. God is good and faithful. But today, I'm going to be jumping into an uh, a podcast. It's really someone that's a recent friend. We've connected in many ways over the past year or so. And so, Tom Rohr, how are we doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good. So, how was the uh, the drive down? It wasn't bad. There's wasn't a little, bad. Bit, little bit of LA traffic. Okay. Just in spots. I got here quicker than I thought. So, Tom is a, a skater, um, sponsored professional? Not quite Not quite professional, but sponsored, sponsored rips. Yeah. Um, Jude and I watch <laughs> the videos all the time. Uh, we connected at the barracks, the world famous barracks, one of the biggest, probably most famous and uh, known skate parks in the world. And then we connected, you're a believer, we did a couple of events, and so I just said to Tom, why don't you drive down, you know, make the journey from LA, unpack what God has been doing these past few years, and we're going to jump into all of this, but so, who are you sponsored by? Uh, I get shoes from Lakai. Okay. And Friendship Skateboards. Awesome. The Quiet Life Clothing, Bones Bearings, um, Mondo Vertical Wheels, my friend's company. And Jessup grip tape. I was gonna. I was gonna think. Of I know. I don't. I don't regret. <laughs> as bad as that sounds. Having to uh. list all my sponsors back in the day. There's always someone you're leaving out, like a Bolt or wax company. Right. Or you, always gotta, you gotta think of them all. So. And then footprint insoles too. Gives me insoles. Okay. Yeah. But so Still. skating is skating is everything. But you, we're gonna jump into a bit some of these amazing, almost prophetic experiences you've had and marriage, really career wise, how you're even where you are, but. Where does this all begin? I mean, you're American. You were born in Minnesota, or you were raised in Minnesota, or what? Yeah, I was born. I was actually born in North Dakota, and I okay. lived there until I was ten. And then I started skating when I moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay. So I grew up there. That's where I had a lot of life experience, a lot of growing up, a lot of lessons. That's for sure. Yep. And um, just fell in love with skateboarding, and then got an opportunity to move to California. And what's the skate park there, that big skate park that we go to every Third year? Third Lair. So Third Lair, I yeah. went up there many, many times. And then, of course, now Steve Nesser, good friend of mine, Familia, and the skate shop. What does he have, two skate parks? or? There's one skate park, Familia, and then there's a separate skate shop, too, now. Oh, okay, so they have two okay. shops, one park. But Minnesota is just booming with skate, right? Yeah. Even though it's damp scene. and whatever, there's a big scene there and culture. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're raised there, and are you raised in the faith, or...? Yeah, I was born and raised Christian. Yep. But obviously got distracted, got caught mm -hmm. up with all kinds of different things in life. Yeah. The skateboarding world, you know? Yep. Um, super were you super loose about too? it. Like, yeah, baptized as a baby. I don't <laughs> <Okay>. remember it. <laughs> so you weren't baptized, they baptized you. Yeah, it okay. wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a choice I made within yeah. my heart. But I later got baptized with my wife, okay. actually, at the same time, a couple years ago. But you start skating and then... So you're this believer, and you feel like skating distracted you from your... Were you, were you serious about your faith before, or you were just a kid? 
I I was just a kid. I want to. <laughs> I like to help people try and outward process even their journey. Yeah. So you were just this kid. What age were you at this time? When when I started skating. Yeah. About 11, 11 years old. Well, just because you know, even some of the questions you asked me earlier about my kids, you know, where are they? Well. We're in the homeschool room and there's books around and, you know, there's Bibles and they're talking about Jesus and they say they know Jesus and the rest. But I don't know that till they really become alive and it's affirmed in them. Like, I believe they have a conviction from God already. I pray and I and I believe and I ask the Lord, save them at this young of an age. But in your story, we're going to see how that was a journey. There's many things exp- exp- mm-hmm. that came about and then later on, God really affirmed his stamp on you. So you're starting skating at 12, 13 um, in Minnesota, going to all these parks. And was your goal to make it to California? What was the purpose? I mean. My goal was just to skate. Just That's to skate. all I cared about. Okay. I didn't care about anything else. Like, and, and who were your nothing. favorite skaters then growing up? Oh, I'm trying to think. I really liked Kenny Anderson when I okay. was young. I wanted my name to be Kenny when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> that always makes me laugh. But you were just stuck with Tom, huh? Yeah, just stuck with Tom. <laughs> just plain and simple. Okay. And but, you wanted uh, to be Asian was, as well, like huh? Kenny? You wanted to be Asian <laughs> yeah, as well? Maybe. Yeah, Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just, it always changed, you know? I always liked people that had good style. Yep. And what I love about skateboarding is I feel like you can read people's personalities just by watching them skate. Mm-hmm. And that's what, those are the skateboarders that I always gravitate towards. Like, I'd always be able to just kind of read the person by their skating. Yeah. And for some reason, I just, I liked how Kenny, I loved his personality, how humble he was, his style, just mm-hmm. how humble it made him look. And yeah, I went all over the world with Kenny. So we were cool. on audio together, and I mean, yeah. we skated wow. pretty much seven or eight years together nonstop. Um cool i haven't seen him in a while though but so that's all going on you're skating there and for people that don't understand i mean skating's neutral but what kind of an influence i mean i know it's everywhere in every culture but what was the distance did you decide you suddenly weren't going to church did you decide that you couldn't care for your faith did you just get distracted by what you were seeing in the magazines and what your friends are talking about how do we begin to navigate away in a sense i'm trying to remember i'm trying to think back um once I moved to Minneapolis to the city, I don't think we actually had a church that we were rooted in anymore. It was, I don't know. I'd, so your Sundays were just random? Yeah, I just kind of like, I just kind of faded away. My family would always do a really good job. Like they would always kind of keep me back in the faith. Like my mom was always really rooted in it. My sister especially, like she's mm. incredible. I, wow. I've been blessed with an amazing sister. I I love her. Yeah. Like she's been a good. great influence in my life. <laughs> she keeps me on track for sure. And um <laughs> But I don't know. I just as a kid, I didn't care. You know, I was like, I'm you would just skate. It was like, sunny. I, you were out and skating. Yeah, that, day. that I, was it. I had a lot of energy. I, I ran around until I left Minneapolis. Till I was nineteen, probably all day and all night long. You know, I would never stay still. We'd we'd go skate until one in the morning, two in the morning. Go party at night and then go skate afterwards. Like that was the routine. That was the deal. Yeah. So there was no talk of God. When what would you do when someone brought up God in their faith? Or they mentioned it, or was there any kind of conviction anywhere? There definitely was, actually. Like, there's there's definitely times where someone would bring it up, and, and I would agree. I would listen. And I even through all that, even though I drifted really far away, I still would pray. Like, I wouldn't pray consistently, not like I do now. But every once in a while, I just always felt like praying. I just always felt like I should pray. Mm-hmm. Even if it was weeks apart, months apart. 
I still just believed like something in me. I just, I just knew there was like God. Like the anchor was there, the kind of, yeah. cause even for my wife though, she wasn't a believer. She would say, I just always knew there was right things to do pertaining to God. I mean, getting on a flight and someone giving her beads one time, some kind of like thing to chant from her old boyfriend and that kind of whole straight edge movement. And she got on the plane with it. Like, what am I doing? Like, I should be talking <laughs> to the Lord, not this. Mm-hmm. So you had this kind of, maybe that's your mother's prayer. Obviously it's the faithfulness and goodness of God. And then you're what age now, skating? And, and how do you go from there to California? How does this whole dream of where you are, I guess, today living and, and being shaped now in a whole new way, how do you go from Minnesota to California? I'm actually glad that you asked that because the story is actually pretty crazy. Okay, okay crazy. It's, it's not a common story. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, it's just a blessing. It's just a straight-up blessing. Like, I can't even believe how it worked out. But I was in Minnesota, 19 years old training to be the assistant manager at Jiffy Lube. Okay, wow. Big things. Yeah. I'm just kidding. All you Jiffy <laughs> and, uh, Lubers out there. Is it still around, Jiffy Lube? Yeah, it's still there. Still, I think I, I, think I use a Cono Lube, or what's the one on the corner? Who knows? But Jiffy Lubing it up. Okay. Yeah, Jiffy, Jiffy Lubing it up, give my friends discounts. It was <laughs> awesome. But uh, And then I got an opportunity. I got on the skate company at the time called Silent Skateboards, mm-hmm. and I met the owner in Tampa from going to skate contests. And through Jordan Maxim and Chris Colburn, Cookie, they're the ones who got on it first. Cookie got on it through MySpace. He found mm-hmm. it That's super how long randomly. Ago it was. Yeah. But so I ended up getting on that company. And then I got a call saying that we could live out in California for free, that the owner of the company would pay for our rent. He had a house for us out there, out here. Because he wanted to blow it up. Because, I mean, how good was the company doing to be able to pay for that? Not even that good. He was. Paul, his name was Paul, Paul Wilson. And one of the biggest blessings <clears throat> in my life was just meeting him. Hmm. And he literally just had a heart just to help us all out. Like he was like almost like a father figure, just a friend to us. His yeah. son skated. So he started this company, just a passion project. You know, he, he was doing well outside of that. Yeah. So he had a house and then he moved away from that house. And then he told us we could move into that house. So I, I quit. Was it, a nice, was it a nice house? <laughs> it was a pretty nice house. Like he wasn't worried you'd still skate rats it was, or wreck it? I mean, I've for, lived a, a for us, it was nice. Um, it was in a nice area, and the neighbors hated us. Really? It was, it was funny. Now I look back, and I probably would have hated us, too. Neighbors hating skating. That's normal. Yeah. yeah. We were rowdy, too, back then. So So you move out, and how many guys are living in the house? Let me think. There was... I think there was four of us total. Um, one of them had their girlfriend there, so there was four, and then more people came. So there ended up being that. more of us. And then you five. didn't even have a faith then? You were just... Not really, no. I, I very, very loosely, a little voice in the back of my head here and there, but I was nowhere near rooted. And how far did you end up getting? Like, I'm saying this because how many kids did I meet when I first came to faith? And they were like, hey, I'm 14, 15. This is my goal to become this or that. Even some of the pros today that are super known that I could list, but I won't. I'm still close friends with them. But I sat in altars with them. And they confessed Jesus as Lord at times. They claimed they believed. And then they got just sidetracked out in the world. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're too chasing crazy things. So what was the what was the influence for you? I mean, what made you? Was it drinking? Was it partying? Was it chasing women? Or was it just sitting back and like not knowing? Like what, what took me away from God? Yeah. Definitely just being surrounded by skateboarding and, you know, smoking lots of weed, drinking and That's partying funny. and wow. like, 
Can't picture that. Wanting to do drugs, and I just—I mean, I—I I was doing bad drugs for a while. Really, like, dealing with serious depression and anxiety. Like what kind of drugs? Like the worst kinds. Like I tried everything. Really, much. I did DMT. I did drugs I don't even want to talk about. Wow, like bad. And even in secret, I was doing some of it. Even in California, the first couple of years I was here. Wow. And it's just from people know, that offered it to you, or you just needed it to get out. Like what was the um, depression, or what was the darkness that was there? It was definitely depression, that's for sure. Um, when I was in Minneapolis, I was way more heavily into it. Like for the last, like probably 18, 19 years old. Really? It was good timing for me to move because I wasn't surrounded by it as much when I moved out here and I just faded out you of it. You had something to look forward to out yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. And I was really focused on skating. and Skating really did help me through all that because I, I cared about skating a lot. I, I didn't want anything to affect it. Well, I know it's not the Joe Rogan show, but what is DMT exactly? Because like Joe Rogan just wants to talk about DMT all the time. So what is it? It's like a psychedelic that messes with your brain, or yeah, Stephen Bankar's talked about it as well. But it's heavily influential, right, on your your psyche and what you see. And definitely, yeah. I mean, if you if you do a lot of it, it can. It's like I feel like it attaches you to some kind of spiritual realm. Really, like I really felt that when I did it. And like I, kept, I tried to ask it when I was in the state. I tried to ask. I said, are you loving? I just kept asking, are you loving? And I just felt a resistance. It was I can't explain it, but I felt a resistance. And I was like, this isn't familiar. You know, I mm. did it. And I was like, this just does not feel familiar. It doesn't not feel right. Not with like the spirit of God, not yeah. with them, your faith. Yeah. And how many times did you do it? Like number of times. Like enough times to know what it's like, that's for sure. Really? Yeah. And what? how do you do it? What is it exactly? It's... it's is it like I don't so, even like do you apparently, eat it? Do you smoke apparently, it's it? in everything that's living, but you smoke it. Yeah. So it's like um, Medicurians out of Star Wars. Yeah, something like that. And you smoke it. <laughs> yeah. And then you go, cr- and then it just takes it's, you. It just. So if you did it right, you off. If you did it right now, what happens? Like you do it in ten minutes as a result. Is it an hour later? I mean, I remember years it's ago a, doing like mushrooms, and it was like in twenty minutes you start to see the effect, but it's immediate. It's. Like the second you blow the hit out of your mouth, you're gone. And then what do you do? Do you fall over? Do you lay down? Do you like start getting all hyper? Probably just lay down and looks like you're in a completely different world pretty much. And do you think crazy. people are really, because Joe Rogan is so about it. Do you think people are really seeing stuff that's there in like a spiritual realm? Or you think it's just hallucinations? I think it's a, definitely a possibility that there's actual spirits involved with it. Mm-hmm. But... I've had experiences like these, like this with LSD and everything, and a huge life-changing moment for me that God gave me a dream when I asked him to reveal himself to me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found out that, you know, he confirmed to me that Jesus Christ is the way to God, yeah. the only way. Yeah. And that what I'd been doing my whole life, what I was <laughs> raised on, that was right. And I tried to drift off and I tried to find all these other things. I tried to find the truth through drugs and psychedelics and things like this and thinking I'm getting somewhere. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this is like... This is the rabbit this trail. Is this is the open you know? door. And yeah. then now, like, after knowing God, I can just see the truth in all of it. And mm-hmm. I can I can see where the deception is, you know? It's like Satan comes as an angel of light. Yeah. You know? And it's just, there's just so, I can just see it so clearly now. And wow. I was so caught up in it before. And, oh, this could just, this could go anywhere. But the whole story of that, me having that dream and, I started praying to the universe after this crazy LSD trip that I had and 
it was the most empty I've ever felt in my life for those two weeks. Well, well even you're saying this, and it's funny because I know I have a lot of, you know, friends back in England, Liverpool, around the world that might not even understand what Christianity is, why we keep talking about it. But if you come from England, you're almost like the idea of God and Satan is like a joke. But the idea of the spiritual realm and, you know, Ouija boards and tarot cards and the leaf reading and all the rest. And you say the universe, I mean, the last five years... It's like even believers are trying to talk to the universe. I don't know why. Like, what do you think the universe is going to be saying? Because God spoke the universe. Uni and verse, a single sentence. He spoke it. He breathed it. The Ruach of God. But so this is like another realm possibly or just the altered thinking. What are you trying to tell the universe to do? Like, is there something specific or what? Or At that point... <laughs> Exactly. I don't know. That's why it was so empty. There's no identity attached to it. I just was speaking to nothing. And I was so used to speaking to Jesus. Yeah. You know, and that's, I just felt the difference. When I started doing that, I just, I couldn't help but feel so empty. Two weeks into it, like, I pretty much broke down to my sister and brother in law and told Mm. them everything. And they were believers? Yeah. Very strong believers. And so Mm. then that night, my brother-in-law told me to pray, ask God to reveal himself to me. He said, hey, ask God to show show you if that's Because him. you didn't believe or you just been distanced? Because I wasn't sure. I had this crazy LSD trip mm-hmm. and this experience. And, and that was real. LSD is real. Your experience is real. It's poisoning mm-hmm. your brain, but it's real. Yeah. And you had not experienced with God yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now looking back, I can see, oh, with that whole night, like that whole experience, there was just so much deception in it. And I was falling for it because you're so vulnerable in that state. You'll listen mm-hmm. to anything that's said to you. Yeah. And so it finally led to this night. And when I prayed, I said, God, all right, I don't know who you are. I'm confused. I want to know who you are. Like, I want to know so badly. Like, was that you? Is this is that you who I've been praying to recently? Mm-hmm. This universal idea of God? Or, or who are you? Like, just, just show me. And I was so desperate. Like, you know, when you just, you're letting out your heart, you're just pouring out your heart, just asking God. But was Jesus and, in the picture at all? Did you, were you aware, is it the Jesus, is it the God, the theophany revealed in the Old Testament? You know, is it Jesus in the new? Was he in the picture in your thoughts? Like, could yeah, this definitely, be? Oh, definitely. Okay. Like Stephen Jesus Van Carr said, he was aiming for that, realizing <laughs> the risen Christ. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just, I just wanted confirmation. And so that night I had this dream. And um, it's kind of a story. I'll, I might as well tell it all. But as um, you do, affirm for people before we go there even, you knew that the story of the Bible is that God sent his son. You knew you were a sinner. You already believed that. You knew that. You just didn't have conviction yet, right? Yes, exactly. Because people yeah. listen and are like, you know, like let's say it's some of your friends that might work at the barracks or skated years ago or my friends, like, where are they going? Christianity is in this um, empty faith where we just hope it's real. It's an experience where you encounter the risen Christ in the form of the Holy Spirit. And what that means is you get a conviction where you know, wow, I see my sin. I see my need. I am led to repentance. God, I, I need you um, to know you. And not just to know you, to redeem us from eternal judgment, from his wrath, from damnation, the goodness of the Lord, putting Christ on the cross. So you knew that. This wasn't just some like experience where you just happen to encounter some God this is the God of the Bible, so... Okay. Yes, so yeah. I, I had a good idea of who God was according to the Bible then, mm-hmm. of Jesus. So I just kind of... But this this whole LSD experience kind of threw me off. And so 
I just asked God to confirm for me who he was. And so this dream, so I go to sleep that night. Actually, the night before I went to sleep, we had this conversation. I was with my cousins, my brother, brother-in-law, and my sister. They had this conversation about spirits. Yeah. And every single word being spoken in that conversation, I felt like God was speaking directly to me. I was sitting on the couch, almost like sunken back, like just in awe. Of the and you went in the conversation, spoken. you were just listening? I was listening to every word, like so <laughs> intently. It was crazy. And then, so I go to bed that night and I ask God, I pray to him, ask him that prayer. And then he gave me this dream. So in the dream, I'm standing on this big open field and I'm looking in the distance and there's this hill. It kind of goes along the whole horizon, this hill. And it's a little bit, it's not too high of a hill. And then behind me, there's this big apartment building, like this it's like a big foundation, right? Yeah. It's probably 20, 30 stories. It's kind of at an angle behind me. And then directly behind that building and directly behind me, there's another hill, the same shape as the hill that I'm looking towards. But it's a lot taller than the hill that I'm facing. It's a lot taller. And then on the other side of that hill behind me is the ocean. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking ahead of me, the big hills behind me, the foundations behind me. I'm looking at this hill in the distance. And all of a sudden, this flood comes gushing towards me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's taking out everything in its path. It's like a world-ending flood. And it comes gushing over that little hill. And the building behind me, the significance in that is my family's in there. My yeah. sister, brother-in-law, my cousins who I was with that night, they were in that building up at the top somewhere. They're secure? They're secure. And I'm out here in the open. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm watching this flood f- come gushing towards They're me. They're in the ark and you're not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm thinking, I see this flood coming. And I, I think I'm the one with the plan, right? And so I think, we got to get to that hill behind me, that big hill. Yeah, That's where we're going to be safe. We, I got to go get them and get them to this hill. So I'm, I'm running. I'm frantic, like anxious, just all those feelings, you know? I get Especially to, in a dream when you're like that. You're like, you're basically swimming or flying normally when you're running, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was like, <laughs> I felt so real. This is like, I knew this was from God. It was mm-hmm. the first time I ever had a dream from God. But I'm running up the stairs in the building. I'm like, I got to get them. I got to get them so we can get to this hill where we'll be safe. I get up there. I'm freaking out. I'm like, guys, we got to get to the hill. And everyone else is all calm, right? Everyone's just super calm the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so I get them. And I'm like, we're not going to make it in time. The flood's going to hit us, like freaking out, losing it. And I grab onto all of them. I'm like, I love you guys. And then the flood hits the building. Yep. And the building starts swaying, shaking. And then all of a sudden, it mellows out. And I look, and the hill that I was wanting to go to for safety <laughs> yeah. was completely wiped out, and it connected with the ocean. So everything, aside from the foundation, the building that we were standing in, mm-hmm. was completely engulfed in yeah. water. And I was like, immediately I woke up. And right then and there, I was like, holy crap, like I've been wanting to go to the wrong place for safety. That's who I've been praying to lately. Mm -hmm. I've been praying to this universal type God. Yeah. And that was my idea of safety. Mm. And all along, my family, who were super rooted in the Bible and rooted in God and knew Jesus Christ, they were right. They got the solid foundation and the house and the sitting. and Yeah. And then that verse actually, (laughs) little did I know, that's a verse in the Bible (laughs) And so I'll just keep going. I'll just, because there's, there's no, two yeah. more parts. Two yeah. Well, parts you build your it. house, you build it on the sand, <laughs> you build it on a secure foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in Luke and in Matthew. But yeah, that. So a day or two later after this, too, I got another kind of all tied together. <laughs> so I'm praying. I'm like, 
deep in prayer because this just like woke me up. Yeah. Deep in prayer. And then I get a vision at the end of, end of this prayer. And I've never had that before. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in this space, kind of like how we are right now. Yeah. Just in these two chairs with this older, wiser man. And he sets something down in front of me and it just starts sinking into this hole, this deep, dark hole. And I'm like, no, I'm not reaching for that. Like, that's dark. That does not look inviting. And then it resets and he takes the stone and just sets it down between us. And I just grab it and pick it up and I hold it up in front of my face. Just confidently, with so much boldness, yeah. just grasping it. And I knew that it meant that the rock was Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had known that, that in the Bible he's referred to as the rock, the rock so many yeah. times. And then a day or two after this, my mom sends me a random Bible verse. And she would never, this happened like every six months or something, yeah. every year. And it's about the foundation and the flood. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's in Luke. I have the verse. You have the verse. I want to read it. Um, well, because the Bible talks about him being the cornerstone and the, the cornerstone that they rejected. So the nation of Israel yeah. rejected him, but he's the cornerstone on which we stand. Mm-hmm. And he's the rock of salvation. He's our faith. So your mom sends you all these verses. And for people listening, your faith's always subjective. No one gets to be me. I have my own relationship with God, not a bunch of different gods. God. And each individual hears and feels and, and experiences God. And even the most conservative who says it's only by the word, it is. But a lot of those people who are even more rigid say, I raised my hand at some event. I had this crazy experience. The leading someone to come to faith varies so long as they understand the gospel and they hear that a sinner needs to be saved and repent. But how God brings that to pass for someone like yourself, you've already got the story. You've already heard the truth. People are praying in the seating. Now it's just God honing in on you and saying, all right, where's your foundation? What are you doing? And then, of course, it goes back here to a verse. So, okay. Mm-hmm. And then that's the verse right there. Yeah. The it's, um, yep. I'll, I'll say it real quick. It's from Luke. It's Luke 6, 47 through 49. And it says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So this is your life, this is a picture, this is your faith. And the same with Elijah and um, Ahab and Jezebel, you know, who were they going to serve this day? God of the Bible, Yahweh, or there's 850 prophets willing to save someone else. And in this world, we know that it's a narrow path that leads us to the Lord. And few are going to find it. So what age is this? I'm trying to think. This was probably like five years ago. Just a okay. rough estimate. It's probably like... So you're like 23, 24? 20, yeah, 24. Okay. And then you don't know your wife yet. You've moved out here. What's going on with the skate company by now? Is it still going? Or I actually, t- I actually didn't time? know my wife then, too. Okay. We, we'd been friends for seven plus years when we finally reunited. Okay, and wow. We had no idea we'd never be getting married in the future. From Minnesota crazy. or from California? From California. Okay. But we moved out about the same time. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. And then you're what? You're living in a house with these guys. How do you get out of there or what's next? So I lived in that house for... I'm trying to think of how long we lived in the first place for a few years, then the next place for a couple of years. And then it was, it was such a skate house, you know, like yeah. full on skate house, five people crammed in this tiny apartment. 
grip tape and, everywhere, um, bongs yeah, everywhere, yeah, just pizza. Everything. <laughs> so I finally just, I wanted to, I kind of wanted to get out because I'm, I'm kind of clean and I started to kind of get past that and not want to be in that kind of environment. And so I actually ended up meeting Dave Baczynski and becoming really good friends with him. Mm-hmm. And I ended up moving in with him for a while. Okay. And so that was awesome. I lived with him for years up until in San Francisco last or? year. Oh, no, where? in LA, Los okay. Angeles. So more yeah. recent. Okay. So that's going on. You come to Faith. And then what, how does it go from there to working at the barracks? Because for those who don't know, the barracks has been going for how long? 12 years almost. And it's basically Eric Costin and Steve Barra. You put their, Eric's first name, Barra's last name, Barrick, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. barracks. And I think Bera's grandfather was maybe Yogi Bera too, right? Is that right? I'm not sure. I think so. He might have claimed it joking years ago. But anyway, they create this indoor skate park. And how many views would this... At one time, how big was this Was this thing worldwide? Yeah, definitely worldwide. <clears throat> if you skateboarded, you knew about the barracks. Mm-hmm. I used to watch it in Minnesota before I even lived out in California. But it was like millions. It was like, what, 12 <clears throat> million views like a day or something? Or it was... I'm not sure what... Especially... It was Especially ridiculous. like in its prime when it was like first blowing up and there wasn't so there weren't so many outlets yeah it was huge like and it still is it's it's crazy everyone around the world you tell them about the barracks and it's like the dream place to want to be able to skate going me out and then so you come over how do you get invited to work there you go and you submit an application you skate with people does dave help you out actually that's another funny story too and another crazy alignment story um so I actually went to, I started going to school because I dealt with, I had all these injuries and my ACL injury actually caused me to start going to school, yeah. which ended up being a blessing. And so I was going to school for graphic design and I was actually in my head, I kind of told myself, like, I kind of want to get away from skating. Like I rely on it too much. I put too much pressure on it. It takes the fun away from it. Yeah. Like I just want to do something different, but I couldn't deny that I love skateboarding yeah. so much. And so I ended up in a class with a friend from Ireland who was interning at the barracks. And I found out, I was like, no way, you're interning at the barracks? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Came good friends with him and then ended up with a, in his class again the next year. And then I asked him, you know, let me know if something opens up. And it did. And he got me an internship there, an interview, which led to an internship. And then that led to a job. Okay. And... Yeah, I've been there ever since, about four years now. Totally. And so we connect because Ryan Reese had hit me up and said, hey, we're doing this outreach. Um, he'd done that the year before with Christian Asoy, and the barracks have been open to hosting it. And then what was it? Was it this year or even the year before? We ended up doing a big, big event there, a whole day event. And, and the barracks is a secular company. I mean, it's Steve Barra, Eric Costin, you know? So how do they trust you to come in and start working for them? You get to know everyone. Yeah, you're filming there all the time, graphics all the time. I mean, the world's top skaters are there, you know, weekly. Why would they agree to do some kind of outreach? How does that even exist? I think just through building trust. You know, my my boss really trusts me, and I have a great relationship with him. And I mean, even even Barry was really supportive and open, and just about doing good things for people. You know, and just seeing the impact of it, they just trust me. So I I luckily was able to build that trust with them, and. I just kind of helped oversee the whole event and helped run it. And because the church you were part of was like, hey, you want to put on this big event, but to rent out a space costs all this money. And then you literally said, hey, could we use the property? And they were like, you have the keys, pretty much come in and do whatever you want. We trust you. 
Yeah. Because you're there most days anyway, right? So you're opening yeah. the doors, making sure everything's tidy and whatever. Mm-hmm. And they've got good enough insurance. So that was the Calvary Chapel Church in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. They come in, do the event. Ryan preaches the gospel. And then I know for me, you know, I go all over the place. So I'll be at different skate parks, different churches, different festivals preaching. But to go into the barracks was like, this is, kids don't get to skate here. It's invite only. You open the place. They have loads of hot dog, hot dogs, tacos, food. Um, we have this whole skate jam contest, a lot of stuff given away. And then I come up and preach the gospel. And then a bunch of kids respond and we get them planted and plugged in. I mean, that's kind of crazy that you have nations where you can't even own a Bible, but yet I want to, because I just know I remember posting photos about it and the amount of people that were like, how is this happening? Like, it's coveted to go skate there just to skate. But yeah, here's mm-hmm. God getting glory in there. And and your boss is Ryan Denman, of course, right? So yeah, when I first came to America, I mean, I remember going to little skate jams and contests and Ryan being around and he switched tray flips and all the rest of it. What's <laughs> up, Ryan? So that's cool. And so then... This all happens, and so what is the be- what are the people in there? Do they ask you what you did that week? Do they see videos? Wh- how does that work? Yeah, definitely. I mean, people ask me, like, how was the event? So, like, you know, what was it? This and that. And then it kind of opens up the door to be able to share mm-hmm. share about it and how awesome it was for everyone there, too, and just the impact that it has on people. And so it's it's cool to have those doors open like that, you know, and well, I think, have those conversations. I think even people, you know... America's an interesting place because people have such a hatred for the president, whether they voted for him or not. And they kind of threw everything they could at Christians the last decade. Like, everyone's supposedly homophobic. And if you, you know, voted for Trump, then I guess you're racist. And there's all these issues and all these things. And when I look around, all the Christians I see, it's almost like skating. You know, we don't see color. We don't see ethnicity. Um, You're male, you're female, you're black, you're white, you're Mexican, you're whatever. Who cares? The Christians I know, that's how they act. That's how they think. So even at the barracks that day, you had some of the homies that came in from the hood and they mm-hmm. smelled a sit in a way. I remember the guy dropping what looked like hard liquor somewhere in the corner. <laughs> and I mean, the barracks is spotless. It's clean. It's tidy. It's well kept. And then when I was preaching the gospel, I was looking at these guys and I go, I know your grandmother. I know you have your grandmother's Bible. I know you were raised going to church in the pew. I know, I know what black churches are like. You know what I mean? But I feel like, There was just such a feeling of love in there because skating is its own religion Mm -hmm. and we all relate on the crazy tricks. You all relate on who's done what. And then Mm -hmm. we're all there hanging out and that's just a witness really to to family, to fellowship. And then of course, when the gospel's preached, God does his work. But so I'm saying that to say that Christians have almost been looked at as so crazy that I think it's actually helped people see. Not that we, we win them because we're good or we're nice or even our love. It's only the gospel. But I think when you look at what Christianity is today, it's not as crazy as people make it. Yes, mm-hmm. we believe in an invisible God who sent his son as the Lamb of God who's coming back as a lion. But I don't see homophobic Christians. I don't see people hating on people with gender issues. I don't see Christians who are just hating on I mean, it's the opposite of what Christ taught. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Now, the word of God's where we stand. So I say that because you're in this core place. And even for myself, I get asked questions all your friends at Ed Templeton, all your friends at this guy, your friends at that guy, as if the skate world is so opposed to everything about our faith. Like, there's either believers or non-believers. We're either in the light or the dark. We've either been redeemed and born again or not. That's it. But the skate community is so small. We're around all these people all this time, especially yourself. How many people run through the barracks? I mean, the best skaters in the world throughout the week. 
So has that opened up more opportunities for you? I guess what I'm saying to uh, many that are listening, how do you have this very secular job, I guess, and just practically be you and obviously be open about your faith and you're not fired, which some people are, the teacher a few weeks ago, or you're not, you know, having the best-selling album in America, Kanye (laughs) West, but I'm saying, like, what does that look like for you going there and doing whatever you're doing, you know? For me, I... It's just not, I'm, I just get to be myself and I just see everyone as normal people. And I guess I've learned to do that just mm-hmm. from meeting everybody because pretty much every skateboarder in the world has walked through those doors. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. It's so cool to have been able to meet everyone like that and to have those conversations. And people even, you grew even up looking up to as well yeah. as just current people yeah. I used to just glorify, you know, now I'm just like, what's yeah. up? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but for me, it's like I'm always, I'm never the most comfortable just kind of just starting like a conversation like out of an unnatural place so you mean faith-based yeah yeah but sometimes god just opens the doors like he just does it naturally and those are the times where i can just share you know like but well, it starts with a willingness though even the way you're saying it is like i don't just actually someone on the plane and say hey you know you uh want to talk about hell it's never gonna happen <laughs> so you start where you are you begin to go deeper and there's an intention to get the gospel brought to people and even when mm-hmm. they say man christians are so preachy of course we are we've been sent to proclaim the truth we have the the medicine for the sickness we have the mm-hmm. cure to jesus christ so there's the gospel that's spoken we know what it is corinthians 15 but then there's the way it's lived and what that means is we should go to work at the barracks we should mm-hmm. go to work at the coffee place you should go to work where your boss might not be the nicest guy they might not all be ryan denman's but in your witness of being fair, of being honest, of being whatever, that's an example. And then as we daily interact, looking for the open door, we should eagerly want to share. It's a proclamation. It's spoken. It's not just lived. So have you seen others that are there that are believers say, are there other believers that work there as well or what? Surprisingly, actually, yeah. I've had <laughs> conversations there with more people than I ever would have expected. And I pray for the, I pray for the barracks all the time. I pray for Steve. I pray for Eric. And yeah, I've just it blows my mind actually mm-hmm. sometimes the things that God does and the 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 way He opens people up and the conversations He opens up. And it seriously blows my mind. Like He's even contradicted my thoughts a lot in the past. Where I'm like, contradict. Oh, yeah, there's no way this person. Like, there's no way. Oh no, like, that's the worst thing. We always oh, what we don't have rather than who yeah. we do. And. And here's the thing, when Isaac, you know, sitting here with us now as well, producing, we talked about this recently, but the whole idea of the rich man and the eye of a needle, you know, taking the camel through it, that was a gate that you would go through and the camel would have to get down on its knees and be pushed through and it's, that's how hard it is to enter heaven. And in many ways, these skaters are rich in that sense where they put the accolades, they put the status and the fame and the whatever. But I think you only need to think a couple thoughts past that to realize how irrelevant skating is i'm saying Mm -hmm. i'm feeling sick excuse me but how skating is irrelevant in the sense of it's fun we love it tony hawk did amazing things one of my favorite skaters heath kerchard all the guys you're talking about eric carson steve barra but at the end of the day god isn't like wow the barracks wow riding for nike wow millions of dollars we joked the other week where (laughs) literally we talked about robert de niro and it's like getting to heaven and god's like oh you're robert de niro like it won't even matter. In a sense, it will be like you spent your life playing other roles. 
and mankind decided to give you millions of dollars for it like nike is so relevant because of what man says michael jordan is relevant because of what man says these are all man-made things and i guess that's the way christians have to approach it you know what mm -hmm. i mean like michael jordan is just a guy that's a multi multi multi-millionaire because he throws around a ball filled with oxygen you know <laughs> kelly slater because he is the best server that will probably ever lived is well the claim because of what he's able to do riding a piece of foam on water mm -hmm. but in god's eyes this talent this gifting this platform whatever it is it's all for his glory and so when we go into these places the gospel's got to be shared proclaimed and they got to hear that conviction and it's in love I want to see these guys come to faith. I love hearing about skaters. I love hearing your story about this happens. I love going to the barracks and seeing some of those skaters that hit me up late online and go, man. And when skaters say to me, Brian, it's so crazy that God's speaking to me all these years later through you who was in a video I liked or I had your shoes or whatever. And I go, it's not crazy at all. It's not crazy one bit. God intentionally connects you where you need to be connected. And that's how people can hear and just say, man, I might not be Brian the pro skater all those years ago. I might not be Tom working at the barracks. But you're so-and-so working where you are. At Krispy Kremes, at Dunkin' Donuts, or what did you say earlier, Jiffy Lube, or whatever. <laughs> you need to be there because we're not. So that's what's going on now. And then how does this girl from the past all play into this then? Because it sounds like a lot of what you've experienced with God has been a bit more prophetic. We know mm -hmm. that we're not adding to Scripture anymore, but we know that God still speaks this way. So you feel like over the course of your walk, God has given you pictures and given you words. Mm -hmm. And then how does this girl from the past come back into it and how does she become your wife? So we both didn't see each other for a couple of years because we both got into different relationships. And then we ran into each other at our friend's welcome back party. One of my first friends I made in California. Yeah. I didn't even know that she knew him. Yeah. And so we ran into each other there. Right when she saw me, she's like, Tom. And I was like, Jay. And you, you guys know, went with each other, with other people at the time? Yeah, we were both with different groups of people. And, <laughs> and uh, we were always like, we always loved hanging out, you know, you always got along. So after hanging out that night, we're just like, we should, you know, we should get together again sometime. And so we did. And then after <laughs> that, it led to a date. Gosh, our stories, we have crazy stories. Our first date was insane. Some of the things that happened. But yeah, on our first day, I took her on this insane hike to Mount Baldy Devil's Backbone. Mm -hmm. It was like four hours to get to the top. We were supposed to go. Did she know it was four hours? No, I didn't. I, I didn't even know it was that long. I did it once and forgot how strange there was. Rattlesnakes, lizards, all that stuff. No, like but that. there was a there was some deadly drops. There was you're like climbing mountains that don't end. So we did that for our first date. And she thought she was going to come test. back down the mountain with you? Or is she like, this guy's probably trying to kill me right now? Because Mount Baldy is sketchy. It is. It's yeah. pretty gnarly, the hike. But she's really adventurous. Okay, wow. So I've been blessed with that because we're both super adventurous. So we did that, and we were supposed to go to a barbecue later. But we ended up, the hike ended up taking way longer than planned. Yeah. And so we ended up going to this restaurant on the way back because we skipped the barbecue. And all these things this day led to the timing of the last event of the night. It was just interesting. The timing was crazy. We had to wait an hour before we left my house that morning because I had a work dilemma. Mm -hmm. So she waited an hour with me trying to resolve this work dilemma. And then the server took a half an hour to, to put or take in our orders for our food because she forgot. And then so as we're driving home on the freeway, it's Labor Day. And it's about 9 p.m. We're behind this, this woman. 
actually not behind. We ended up being behind her. She was behind me, and I could see her swerving like crazy, mm. like on the drunk driver. Yeah, like <clears throat> dangerously, almost hitting the barrier, going seventy five miles per hour. Cars are swerving out of their lane because she's almost hitting those cars. And so I let her pass us. I'm following her to try to get her plate so I can call the police to save this woman's life because she's going to die. We're gonna watch it happen. Like it was so bad. Mm. And all of a sudden, I just think to pray i'm just like lord like help this woman please like save this woman's life right now like like jay was like screaming because we almost watched her like die a couple times wow. so i started praying literally within 30 seconds all these cars start surrounding her i caught these cars in front of her these cars next to us three cars in the lane next to her we're in the far left lane i'm behind her everyone starts slowing down and boxing her in and the whole highway starts slowing down. Everyone on this highway was slowing down everyone behind us all the way down to about 30 miles per hour. And the woman finally responds and puts on her turn signal to start getting off the highway. We were, everyone was flashing her and everything. Wasn't but they responding. did it to stop her? They did it to help her stop. So like people wouldn't have their car get her. smashed into even yeah. though? It was insane. Yeah. We were like, our bodies were lit up with goosebumps. But your wife wasn't a believer believe yet, right? No, not really. So no. what did she sum it up to? I mean, that was a right then and there was like, that was the beginning, you know, that was definitely a seed. To take deeper experiences, to begin conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so we end up getting, we end up getting her off the highway. Everyone gets her all the way over. She starts exiting and me and this other car follow her. She almost gets blasted at a right, red, a red light going right. Luckily doesn't. And then we follow her. She pulls over. We pull up next to her. She's not in good shape. So... Jay, my wife, girlfriend, of the, not even girlfriend at the time, she gets out and has her get in the backseat, drives her car into the parking lot wow. next to us, which ends up being a church, which is crazy. And so we get out and we're just hanging with this lady and she's not doing well. She was trying to commit suicide. Her dad died that day. She lost her job. She got DUI How before was this. She, she was uh, probably like in her upper 30s, lower 40s. Mm, wow. But she was broken down and then we just kept talking with her and loving on her and just like i just kept encouraging just telling her what a miracle it was what happened on the highway yeah i couldn't we could not believe it like it was divine you're waiting for a car just to shatter and she's yeah. flying out and and uh so we just i just kept telling her i was like you are so lucky right now like you could be in jail you could be dead like you were saved this is what happened and the police didn't show up no um, <laughs> no did anyone get she her got, water or anything yeah, yeah, we we helped her out and strong coffee. We helped her out. We got a hold of her parents because they were calling her phone, and so we they came and picked her up. But she had a moment where a, like a switch just turned, and she started thanking us and like tearing up, and was like, "I love you." She came She's like, herself. "I love God." Oh, wow. She's like, "I love you so much, God. Thank you." And like, was kissing the ground at her. Like literally, <laughs> we sat down on the ground with her, and she was kissing the ground and like thanking God, and it was just crazy. And then so. After all that, I went home that night, and then I kissed my now wife for the first that time. That night? Yeah. After the crazy <laughs> yeah. the floor? So she's yeah. kissing the floor, you kissed your wife? Yeah. And then, <laughs> how long after that were you guys married? It was not long. We got engaged, I think, in less than a year. Within eight months, got hmm. engaged, and then we had a year and a half engagement, which was long. And then we got married just a couple months ago. And so you're 29, she's 28. You got graphic design, you got working at the barracks, you got skating. How does you and all these 
19 to 30 year olds what do you navigate as a believer what do you look to we have the word of god we're called to work hard by the sweat of our brow and the work is worthy the wages what is next for you where you're like here's what i look at you know how do you navigate life as a believer i guess just like in general for anyone, just you you know like me. for me it's very ambiguous hey i got a call yesterday can you speak at a conference hey i'm doing these podcasts tonight i want to write this book mine's definitely urban missionary evangelist for you who's looking at like okay i plan on having kids in the next what three to five years i want to be in california what is the practical following the lord look like in that sense for we definitely <laughs> we go to we go to the lord for every decision mm-hmm. and um my wife and I, we both expressed interest in moving back to Minnesota at one point, possibly, if we were going to have a family. But mm-hmm. that's us making plans. And so what we what we always be sure to do is to stay open to God. So whenever we're going to make a big decision, we always make sure to go to God. Yeah. Spend time praying about it because he always miraculously sh- like reveals the right decision in some way. He makes it clear in such wild ways. So every time we've done that, he's always made our decisions mm-hmm. clear to us. So I just really focus on spending time reading, especially pretty much every single morning. I, the word I spend time in the yeah. Word. And I got a study Bible, and I love it. I sometimes even think it'd be cool to start with a study Bible if you've mm-hmm. never read the Bible, because it just provides all Which study Bible context. do you use? The apologetics um, one? It's the Holman's yeah. New King James Version. Okay. Yeah, it's got a lot, lot of info in there. Well, just because people but, they don't even know what the New or the Old Testament is, they think yeah. they're different, like, no... The old is then fulfilled in the new. It's prophetic of Jesus' coming. Mm-hmm. And commentary study Bibles just help you understand the author and what was happening at the time, what was being fulfilled, but it applies to us today. Um, this isn't for a priest or only a pastor to explain. This is for all believers. So mm-hmm. you get up most days. How long do you spend in the Word? I, I could spend way more time than I do, but yeah. usually in the morning... I'll usually do it at home for a little bit, 20, 30 minutes, and then I'll get, I'll get to work and just sit in my car outside for a half an hour, 45 minutes. So everyone else is convicted right now. We're like, okay, you're spending 40, 50 minutes in the <laughs> Word every morning. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, it's not every morning because I'm in school too, so sometimes I have to do school stuff, and sometimes okay. I have to skate in the morning before work. And but Don't you skate at work though because it's the barracks? Yeah. So you just go, great. I'm going to go. How much of yeah. your day is just going out and skating at the barracks? Like, do you have a lot of stuff to do? Or can you just go skate around and be like, I'm It depends. A- if, there's a, if it's a busy day, it's hard because it takes time to warm up, and I don't like taking too long of breaks. But once I'm, when I'm really skating fully, I, I was just injured, injured for super long, so I'm getting back into it. But probably a couple days a week at least, like two to four days a week, I'll mm-hmm. go out and skate during lunch break or in the morning. You mean my eyes are it's amazing. In the next week or so, huh? Yeah, Take you guys should. I know. But so you're, you got your word, you got that. So you, so you, it's true. We make our decisions. Like we choose to live in Huntington. My wife's family lives here and we've never really prayed, Lord, do you want us somewhere else? Her family's getting older and the idea of England, whatever. But then should people expect the Lord to confirm? Because I believe even people that say they don't think the Lord moves that way. I think God confirms whether they say it's a sovereignty or it's prophetic. I mean, I did a series a couple episodes ago on um, Holy Spirit evangelism, and it's throughout the book of Acts, where an angel speaks, where the Spirit speaks, where various things happen. So it's normative for you to say, okay, I believe the Lord's going to confirm things through a text, through an email, through a scripture, through a laying on of heart or dream. 
Yes, always. Mm-hmm. It's so it sounds so surreal when you haven't been in it or experienced it for yourself, but every time somehow he makes things clear. Yeah. Like it'll be the most insane timing ever with something. You'll be listening to a church service and it it exactly addresses whatever question you're asking. Mm-hmm. Or it'll be a conversation that strikes up the day after you pray, an opportunity that arises. It's, mm-hmm. it's so miraculous and you just know. You're like, that's the moment. This is the exact thing that I asked you for guidance on. Mm-hmm. And now I know my answer. Yeah. You know. And I know when the Bible says the Spirit comes, He will convict and then He will teach us. Obviously, He's affirming the apostles' doctrine, the books they would write. But we hear it to Timothy. We hear it throughout um, about prophecies concerning things. I know for me with the marriage book, I felt like people spoke into me specifically who didn't know what I was praying about. I feel like everything from churches, from places, from calls, I feel that the Spirit of God consistently speaks that way. But the words already leading us anyway. For those who were listening who were like, oh, well, I'm just trying to find the Lord, or where am I? Speaking to 16-year-old you, go pick up the Bible, begin to sit with it daily, go sit in a church, and even jump into videos online, listen to these podcasts, get familiar with how God's thinking and His Word, and that will draw you closer, and then He'll shape you, and then you haven't got to end up on, you know, DMT like you, or <laughs> divorce like I was, you know, before I was a believer and all the rest, so... Amen. So what else yeah. What else do you want to close with? Any crazy thoughts? or? I guess just to back up what you were just saying, it's so easy to to just, I don't know, to know the Bible is this common thing and something you've heard of your whole life mm-hmm. and it just doesn't seem that enticing. You're like, uh, it's just another thing, another common thing, another thing that people do. But how are you going to know until you know? You know, like God says, taste and see that mm-hmm. the Lord is good. How are you going to know what it tastes like if you don't even try it? So I think for me, the most impactful thing in my life was spending time reading the Bible, just mm-hmm. one-on-one with God, just me and the Lord. It's, you know, you want to you get personal and you don't want people forcing things on you, you want people yelling at you, but you start reading the word of God and it's God speaking directly to you. <laughs> and that's so impactful. And I just, I wish everyone in the world could read the Bible at least once, read it with an open heart especially the whole New Testament, the gospel. Like, you can't read the gospel and tell me that there's something wrong with that book. It's mm-hmm. so pure. It's so wise. It's everything we need as human beings. And I just I just wish everyone had the, <laughs> I just wish everyone had the hunger to read it because yeah. for me, I just felt myself changing so much once I finally dove in. Yeah, you get the word in you and it has an effect. I mean, it's that double-edged sword. It cuts away the chaff and it cuts the new things in life and shape and people people hearing are like well (laughs) it was written by a man it was this it was that no man recorded it as god spoke it but there's more evidence for the bible than any other historical book i mean that's a fact listen to episode one i unpacked this stuff even the writings of plato and socrates and the rest there's more for the bible anywhere historically and in archaeology geography worldwide so you know, a whole saying, um, don't put it down if you never picked it up. Get into the Word of God. You know, you heard it here. So mm-hmm. would you mind just praying um, maybe for skaters or for people who are just making decisions or whatever you feel led just for a moment, and then we'll we'll let them know how to connect with you, and then we're going from there. So Yeah, definitely. Amen. Thanks. I do, Lord. Thank you, first of all, for bringing me here and bringing Brian here and yes. Isaac and just everyone who's here, even everyone who's listening right now. 
thank you for bringing them here to listen to this and for them making it all the way through the podcast. And Lord, I pray that you speak to them and that you did speak to them through this and that you open up their hearts to be open to you, Lord, and to pick up a Bible and to just see what it's about. You know, no, regardless of the judgments or the things that they've heard, just help them to find out for themselves, Lord. Give them that wisdom and give them that open heart. I just pray for everyone, everyone who I get to interact with in my life, Lord. I I pray that you work through me, you work through Brian, you work through Isaac. Yes, Lord. And just through everyone that listens to this and that that responds to this, Lord, work through them as well. Yes, God. And just show people how much you love them, Lord, and how real it is to be in a relationship with you. Please contradict any of the things that people have heard that are wrong about you, Lord. Yes, God. And just do work in this whole world. Do work in skateboarding. Yes, and Lord. reach as many people as you possibly can right now in this time because the world needs it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you do and that you plan yes, to God. do. We love you so much. Mm. In your name. Amen. Amen. Guys, if you're just tuning in and listening, look, this is just a conversation with some believers. We got our faults, we got our issues, we're not claiming to be perfect, but God is. And he spoke into creation, he spoke into that which he made, and he walked the earth 2,000 years ago, and he isn't some white guy in a Hollywood film who walked around um, guilting us and shaming us for the sake of controlling the masses. If that was the case, why isn't it pushed in public school? Why aren't your favorite hip-hop artists or... You know, the new Disney squad who's now older. Um, why aren't they pushing the Bible? Um, yeah, Kanye West's on board, I guess, which is yet to see. But it looks like there's conviction. But what we're saying is that, you know, consider the Lord. Consider his word. Consider that you will die, that you are born in sin. We lie, we lust, we cheat. We, we want self. We want everything to be about us because our prayer is that as much as you hear what we are encountering, that you will encounter the risen Christ and life will be changed. And so thank you for tuning in, you guys. God bless you. But for more, Tom, how do they get a hold of you? What's the best thing they can do? Um, Instagram, I suppose. Instagram, that's yeah, how they get yeah. a hold of me, generally. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and if anyone just wants to talk, too, I, I love having conversations. I love sharing my opinion on things. Yeah, and, hit up Tom and, on Instagram. Yeah. What's yeah. your page? It's just, it's my name with an underscore in the middle. So it's just Tom underscore Roar, R-O-H-R-E-R. Mm-hmm. So yeah. guys, message them, let them know. Man, thanks for being on. Good stuff. Of course. High five there. That's how white guys do it, I guess. Isaac's <laughs> laughing at us. Um, I once heard it said things white people do, and it says check in on Facebook. Another one says redo high fives. That's uh, funny because I think I've done hilarious. both. But guys, this is Brian and Tom. This is the Foolishness Podcast because the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Guys, uh, there's a YouTube channel under my name. It's going to have more videos coming up. Go over and follow the Instagram. There's about to be a Facebook. I'm even going to get some shirts made because some of you want to represent. I appreciate it. But guys, most importantly, like this thing, subscribe, share with people. We've got every kind of topic we can because we know that the power of our testimony, the lifting up of Christ, it's proclaiming the gospel, the Great Commission, and Christ and Christ crucified to the ends of the earth. Uh, God bless you guys. Amen. This has been brought to you by the One Story Podcast.